Fight Podcast, hosted by Sergio Vicente. The Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a Chicago-based healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company. They deliver healthy, organic, custom meals directly to your home or office. For those of you not in Chicago, Sage Eats also offers online fitness mentoring where your personal fitness mentor will send you four weeks worth of workouts that are customized to your body and your goals. Your mentor is available seven days a week to answer questions and offer support. Sign up for Sage Eats at W www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Now here's your host of the FIGHT podcast, Sergio Vicente. Yo! What's going on today, beautiful people? This is Serge Vicente, and this is episode 98 of the FIGHT podcast, man. So check this out. Um... Usually this is my post weekend episode. We had some technical difficulties with uh, w- with the um, the editing process and everything, so it's getting out a little bit later than I would have liked. Um, but this week was dope, man. I was able to be joined by Brandon Camille, and we were able to go over some really really pertinent boxing news. Uh, but um, not only were we able to go ahead and bless with the boxing news, we obviously went into the uh, the fights this past weekend with Anthony Pettis towards the end of the show, last half hour. We really went ahead and deep dove into uh, MMA. But, man, this is a great episode, man. Um, a lot of fun. Obviously, I'm happy that Brandon went ahead and joined me once again. Um, you know, he's our weekly contributor, man. I always appreciate him coming on. And uh, we are able to break that kind of stuff down, talk about the weekend fights, and a lot more, man. This is a great, uh, great episode, a lot of fun. Please enjoy my post-weekend episode with Brandon Camille. But, yo, check it out. Before we get to that, remember... The Fight Podcast is brought to you each week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 15% off your first three months. Uh, Follow uh, The Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at The Fight Podcast. And follow me at Serge Vicente. Um, And again... uh, with that being said, again, listen to the Fight Podcast everywhere podcasts are available. That's Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and everywhere you find your podcast. Um, follow us at the Fight Podcast. Follow me at Serge Vicente. Um, with that being said, go ahead and enjoy the episode with me and Brandon Camille with our post fight, our post fight weekend slash boxing news episode. Enjoy. Serge, what it do? How are you? Chilling, man. Chilling. How was everything? Everything's doing good. I can't complain. Another busy weekend, but I'm happy to be back here. And uh, we're doing a little late this week. Usually we do on Thursdays. We're here on Sunday. So, uh, But there wasn't much. Luckily, there wasn't much boxing going on this weekend, so we didn't miss much. Everything that we want to talk about is still pretty current. Pretty much, man. It was... uh... It has been a slow week, man. Uh, but I feel like in boxing, we get this, man. We, I think we've been spoiled. We've been spoiled, man. It, it seems like it's been way Keep more... Keep spoiling me. I, well, I, hey, look, I, <laughs> I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining at all, man. But I think, especially boxing-wise, I think we've been spoiled, man. So I'm glad we, we've had a, a little bit of news. But uh, I, I think mean, look, and even boxing. still, there's still boxing going on right now. But I, there's boxing going on right now. I'm literally watching boxing as I record this podcast, uh, the Sergey Lipnitz fight versus uh, Lamont Peterson. But keep spoiling us. I We always talk about how boxing is so great right now, but 
this is what boxing looks like in the post Floyd Mayweather era. I'm and I, you, I do think Mayweather really was an era in boxing. And now that we're past Mayweather and people are getting away from that whole hold your O and we're starting to see more big fights on a regular, there's more superstars in boxing. It's not all held together by one single person. And you can say the top name in boxing is maybe a Canelo or maybe an AJ, um, maybe Don- Deontay Wilder. We'll get into that a little Ooh. bit later. But you have a bunch of stars in boxing. When you have all of that star power in boxing, then you're able to make these big fights on a regular. And I think that's important, which is why we, we're doing this. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Um, you know what, man? It's funny when you say that. Thinking about the Mayweather's era, because I think you and I talked about this before, man. When you think about eras, you have to put like Roy Jones Jr. Because to me, he's the best that I've seen, right? It like... And when you look at that, what are you saying? No, I was going to say I I agree with you. And I I believe Mayweather was boxing professionally at the same time. At the same time. But I think he was boxing boxing during the Roy Jones era. Right. And once the Roy Jones era finished, then we went into the Mayweather era. But they were both boxing at the same time, but their eras didn't necessarily overlap. So do you think that era was like, what do you think? It was like after the La Jolla? Like I would that, that, that that would be when like the the Mayweather era started. Correct. I think somewhere around Delahoya, right after Delahoya, maybe Ricky Hatton. You could even say, if you really want to, that his the Mayweather Mayweather era started after he returned from retirement. But I'd say it started around Delahoya. Prior to that was all Roy Jones starting in the late nineties. Right. 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 That's, that's, that's true because I was thinking about it man it, it really was one of those things I'm like if we're thinking about eras like Floyd's era if you really think about it wasn't that long it, it, it's just it feels like forever and he did win forever but his like the real like era I mean don't get it twisted it was still like a decade like you know, I, I think he, he returned from retirement in, in 2009 and boxed all the way up to you, you say Manny Pacquiao around tw- or Andre Berto around 2015 that's a relatively long time and if you yeah. want to con- consider before that the fights against people like Oscar De La Hoya and Ricky Atten then you have to I, I would say his era started around then and let's look at I'm looking at a uh, Roy Roy's Wikipedia page right now I'm trying to look at when his second or when his first loss to Tarver was so it, it really was I feel like it was around the same time so it was in 2004 I believe Mayweather fought Deloya in 2005 there, there it is that 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 was 0405 that, that was a change right there yep that's damn that's damn near perfect yeah and here was the change another topic we're going to cover in today's show uh, I'm starting to get better with these segues too but uh <laughs> another topic we're going to cover in today's show Mayweather's era coincided almost pretty close to when he bought himself out of that contract with Bob Arum. And when that's when Al Heyman really started to come uh, come into play with Mayweather, they started making these strategic moves. And that's when the Mayweather era started right around the time that Antonio uh, Antonio Tarver knocked out Roy Jr., marking the end of Of that era of his sheer, sheer dominance over boxing because he was dominating for a long, long time. Yo, he May- beat Bernard Hopkins in like 94. 
I think it was like 92. Yeah, it, it, dude, that's what I'm saying. So his era, you think about it, was like from 92 to like 2004. And I believe that was a title fight, just to tell you how long even someone like Bernard Hopkins has been fighting at the top level. That's true, man. That's true. I mean, nasty. Two dudes that were nasty who fought forever, man. But um, speaking of eras, it seems like it might be somebody else's era. We might be the beginning of this era. Damn, Serge. Man. Man. You're killing him today. The boy is out here, man. You're killing him today. (laughs) Yo. Errol Spence Jr., man, the man. He's he's gone out there and he's really showed that he might be one of the best. And again, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but period in the game today. But after his fight, there was so much criticism about him not finishing Mikey. His it, it seemed like everyone was expecting something more. Which so, I kind of found find laughable, man. But yo, do you feel like that criticism was fair at all? So Errol Spence just can't have too much of our time today. In the last episode that was on last <laughs> week, we just did a whole dick flute solo on Errol Spence. Man, so he can't he can't get too much more time this week. But I think a lot of the criticism is very, very, very unfair. It it almost pissed me off because this guy, his record is what, 24 and 0 with 21 knockouts? Tell him. He's he knocked out eleven straight welterweights, including the likes of Kell Brook on the way to that fight with Mikey Garcia. Lamont Kell Peterson, Brook is currently campaigning at one fifty four. So he has what 20, 21 of twenty four. What's that knockout percentage? Can we get the, can we, can I get a calculator real quick? Dog, that's what is, like what is it eighty four percent or something ridiculous? Hold up, that was definitely off the top. I am not a mathematician. Yeah, either way. But I mean, all of these all of these knockouts against top level opposition, including that campaign that he went on from around 2015 to 2016, where he fought six fights in that year, all knockouts against top level. I'd say around top 10, top 15 boxers to make the IBF notice him to give him that title shot against Kell Brook. On, and then he knocked out Kell Brook in the UK. So all of this, he takes one night where he com- committed specifically to outboxing the person who was perceived to be the better boxer. And they were only giving the advantage to Errol Spence because of his size. He wanted to show you guys that he can box. He switched up his style, showed you a whole different fold to his game. And now you're like, OK, he looked good, but he didn't get the knockout against a guy that is two weight weight divisions smaller than him, so we're not going to give him the credit that he deserves. Bruh, bruh, get out of here. Get out, lose me, miss me with all of that. And I mean, I just don't get the criticism. Like, it's one fight. He has 11 knockouts straight, doesn't knock a guy out for one fight, and now he's a villain? I mean, Floyd Mayweather wasn't knocking guys out. We didn't question whether he was going to dominate them, dominate that person or not. Look, man, I think everybody's just butthurt. They they thought he was gonna go out. They thought they knew Errol Spence. They, I mean, remember the media reports? Everybody originally was talking about how Mikey had the better fight IQ. Only thing that Errol Spence is, he he's a weight bully. He that's all he is. So he goes out there, shows a different wrinkle in his game, and it almost gets to a point where you look at it and you're like, damn. This dude might be the best one out there. So now you have to find a reason why his performance wasn't spectacular. 
people are just hating man that's all it is and think about it all these same pundits are the same people that were sitting there pretty much saying that he's gonna mikey garcia was gonna box his face off that this was gonna be a great fight now i think you and i have been pretty consistent the whole time we thought errol spence was gonna dominate buddy but the you know mainstream media throwing up these solid air quotes they they all were pretty much riding Mikey from the jump, so they have to hate on Errol at some some way, shape, or form, man. So look, I'm I'm every, I, I believe in everything you're saying. I'm with you 100. percent Um, yo, f out of here to those haters. I think Errol Spence is one of the best in the game. Does race play a factor in this, or does the media? always look for something negative just so they have something to talk about despite uh what color you are despite what background you have absolutely absolutely you know race has something to do with it and i and i started to talk about it when we were talking about we're talking about fight iq right there mikey automatically is a smarter fighter mikey is this and everyone continued throwing that Aside from Floyd Mayweather, and everybody does say Floyd is a general in there, but aside from Floyd Mayweather, how many people do they talk about their ring IQ? Not many. Somebody's athletic, somebody's this, somebody's that, but they never talk about Paul Malignaggi. He's he has he's brilliant in there, ring IQ off the charts. But we're talking about Errol Spence, man. We're not getting the same respect, and he's somebody has the pedigree that and actually deserves that respect. Well, one thing. a good friend of mine, Troy, has always pointed out to me is that if you have a black fast quarterback, what is he? It was a black fast quarterback. He's a quarterback. Scram- sc- scrambling QB. Oh, always. Yeah. What do they say about a white fast quarterback? I don't know. What do they say? He's deceptively fast, but they don't they don't box him in to that scrambling QB category that's because true. that's looked down upon in football. That's true. So they You're make right. him deceptively fast, but the black guys are scrambling QBs. And nobody really wants a scrambling QB as, as their quarterback for their franchise. See? Unless you're Mike Vick. I mean, it's not like like scrambling QBs have given us plenty of excitement over the years, but they're not necessarily known for winning championships or really constantly winning, period. So you don't want to necessarily want a, a, a scrambling QB, but you get a guy who's deceptively fast, but right. not necessarily considered a scrambling QB. Well, now we have a different story. I, I think you're right, man. I think that, I mean, yeah. And, and they're, they're, they've definitely been trying to put Errol Spence in a box. So I hope this, and it seems like we, we talked about it before. It seems like he's going on a little bit of a media run. People are starting to see his personality, the type of dude that he is, um, how intelligent he is and stuff like that, man. And also, again, he's a fun dude. He seems like he's a cool dude. So I hope they continue getting more of that out of him. Um, I think he can be super marketable. And, um, and I think he can be, especially with his skill set, a guy who looks the part, who, you know, he's not. At this point in time, man, I can say marketability wise, he's more Sugar Ray than uh, Hagler. But his skill set is more Hagler <laughs> than, than Sugar Ray. Depending on the night, as we Depending saw. Depending on the night. You're right. You're right. And that's important. Yeah. That, that versatility is going to be important to him as he continues to progress and take some of these tougher fights in his career. And I can't wait because I, I think 
I think we're going to have a lot of disagreement, maybe not between me and you per se, but between the listeners once we get to this pound for pound list today. Uh, well, look, we'll, wait. we'll make them wait in that case. No, no, no. They, they could definitely wait. We'll, we'll make them wait a little bit for that one. But uh, we are going to go ahead and give Errol a Spence, man. But what I do want to talk about is the most popular athlete in boxing. Is that is that a uh, Canelo? The most, yeah, oh, man. Is, is you that know, Lomachenko? No, it's not him. Is, either, it, is man. it Pacquiao? You not? No, no, it wasn't Pacquiao. And Anthony Joshua, dude. You, I thought it might have been Anthony Joshua, but it wasn't Anthony Joshua. Do you know who the most popular athlete on the ESPN athlete power ranking, whatever popularity list? Do you know who that was? Who are we talking about? Bob Squad himself. The American heavyweight champion, Deontay, the bronze bomber, Wilder, is the, at this point in time, the most highest ranking boxer up on the list. Uh, B, tell me a little bit about that, man, because you, 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 you really, you were the one that brought this to my attention. So, and this is to read the Instagram caption, to identify the most famous athletes in the world, ESPN compiled a list of eight of 800 of the biggest names in sports drawn from 78 countries the names were ba- were ranked based on a formula that took into account three fame factors google search scores how much an athlete spiked on his most searched day as well as how much he was searched on average endorsement dollars and social media following of the boxers that were ranked the highest ranking boxer was Deontay Wilder at number 34. You then had, behind him, Tyson Fury at 39. From there, you have Anthony Joshua at 63, Canelo at 68, Triple G at 78, and Manny Pacquiao at 83. I brought this up to you initially because with all this talk going around on why Tyson Fury did what he did, by signing with top rank, why Anthony Joshua is commanding what he commands in a fight against Deontay Wilder. Why Deontay Wilder is holding out until he gets a fair deal, a fair shot at the table. These things are important. This list takes into account some of the most important things in terms of what, what, what all comes together in terms of your draw? What does your draw look like? I think this was a good way to build that Absolutely. almost rate your draw, essentially, giving giving your draw, taking three things into account and giving your draw a score. It shows that Deontay Wilder is a draw. It shows that we, the people, care about Deontay Wilder and not just someone like Anthony Joshua, who was ranked at 63. Now, I don't think that this list is the tell all, but in a battle to the top of the heavyweight division, when... Deontay Wilder has been trying to fight Anthony Joshua for years at this point. And the only way at this po- the only way at this point that Joshua will step into the ring with him is by paying Deontay Wilder scraps. This is showing you that that's bullshit. Deontay Wilder matters. I'm not going to say he this list shows that it should be a 50-50 split. But if he don't get at least 60-40, then something's wrong. Nay, man. You know what? It's one of those things that now I'm sure there are some guys on that list that wish that list didn't come out. And I'm pretty positive Anthony Joshua is one of those guys. 
Because when you look at it, and again, Eddie Hearn is another one. Wilder can walk up now and say, look at this. If you look at it, the, the people have spoken. I am the most popular boxer in the world. And now you're going to respect that and pay me as such. Um, I, I think this can really put a monkey wrench in the uh, in in that fight happening. We might. I would like to see that fight is going to happen. But man, we might end up seeing that fight on some uh, Pacquiao Mayweather thing that might ha- end up happening five years too late. You know. I don't know if I just have too much faith in boxing, but I do have some confidence that this fight will get made no later than Q2 of 2020. At that point, I think we're okay. We've waited too long, but at the same time, both boxers are still in their prime. And that's probably what's the most important piece of these dream matchups that we want to see happen that keep getting pushed out due to promotional issues is will the fighters actually be in their prime and give us the best that they can give when that matchup actually happens. In the case of Mayweather and Pacquiao, it was not. Both fighters were considered out of their prime when that matchup finally happened. I don't think that'll be the case here. I think they find a way to make this matchup happen. I and hope I, so. I, just, just, I, I hope also so. want to comment, yeah. comment this, uh, the fight that's on the Lippinets versus uh, Peterson. It looks pretty good thus far. I think they, they just finished up the first round. Both fighters look pretty good, and it is Lippinet's first fight at the 140 uh, at, at welterweight, 147 pounds. That's so it's a step up. up for him in terms of weight. And you know that seven pounds has changed fighters in the past. I I personally have always noticed. Uh, the difference in Danny Garcia's power at 140 when he was really knocking guys out with that left hook and 147. And it's huge. He's still a good fighter at 147, but that power is not there like it used to be. So that seven pounds going from five pounds is big. And so that'll be something to look for in tonight's fight with uh, Pete as we continue to watch it with Peterson and Lippinets. It should be a good one, man. If Peterson I mean, obviously, aside from with um, with Spence, seems to be he's he's always been a relative, relatively durable guy. So yeah, you know, we'll see how that ends up going, man. But look, I think it's great There's for one, Wilder. One, one more one more thing that I want to say about Wild uh, the the current question is that the list also shows you how important a big fight in the heavyweight division is, what it can do to your draw. If you're a part of a big fight with a big name in the heavyweight division. And I say that because the two guys that we would have expected to top this list, Canelo and Anthony Joshua, Canelo at 68, Anthony Joshua at 63. Tyson Fury is number 39, just five spots behind Deontay Wilder, but well above the rest of the boxers in the pack. And why is that? The guy's been out of the ring. for He was out of the ring for three years. In the past year, he took two tune-up fights and then was able to fight for the belt. A solid, solid, um, memorable fight against Deontay Wilder that resulted in a draw. Now, I'm sure the Google part of this really, really weighed him to get to, to, get to where he is on that list because people want to see how this guy got up from the punch from hell. He landed Thor's hammer. with Deontay Wilder, that right hand. That right hand was something nasty. He he came back. That's something we just haven't seen before. Just like The Undertaker. He was knocked out. So 
people wanted to see that. People are going to be Googling that. <laughs> but it also gave Tyson Tyson Fury some of his star power back to where he was able to cash in with this contract with Top Rank and ESPN. All of that considered, we now have him at number 39 on this list for someone that was essentially out of boxing before 2018. That's, That's crazy. True. And these Anthony Joshua, Manny Pacquiao, Canelo Alvarez, these are guys that have been fighting consistent, consistently over these past few years at the top level. Do and they're all way that... behind Tyson Fury. So I, don't, I, I think even to a, to a certain extent, as good as I think this list was, as telling as I think this list is, I think a ranking like that really shows that, hey, maybe this list isn't all the way there. Maybe there's some factors that it's missing because Tyson Fury simply should not be there. But, but why shouldn't he? Why shouldn't he be? I mean, people people are swayed by what is new and fresh. His story from you know being all you know with his mental health and 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 ballooning up to 400 plus pounds and working his way back to outboxing you know one of the scariest punchers of all time getting dropped in the final round getting back up yo people love that and i mean you you hit it on the head earlier man at the end of the day i mean people love fights People love heavyweight, but people are are yearning to have a heavy heavyweight boxing back on top. And if that doesn't happen, you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's huge, man. So it doesn't surprise me at all that he's there. He's a great personality. He's incredible for boxing, and and Duke can fight. So he's entertaining. He's built like somebody's granddad. And uh, he talks shit and he can back it up. I mean, people love that. And he has a great story behind it, too. He's every every reason to be that high. The estimated amount that he got paid by Talk Inc. and ESPN or the estimated amount that he secured um, was about $80 million. So he cashed in and apparently rightfully so, given what we're seeing from this list. The person that this list is going to matter to most is Deontay Wilder because he continues to fight these one-off fights. He's not, he has not, he's yet to sign a long-term contract with the platform. Now he's obviously continued to work with Showtime over the past few years, but he's doing these one-off contracts. He just turned down $120 million from DAZN. Had that offer from DAZN been correct or been to his liking, then he easily could have signed with DAZN after his last fight. So you think going that... into this fight, well, going into this fight and further, when it comes to negotiations, Deontay Wilder has a lot of buying power with statistics come, coming behind that. Do you think that now with the these stats coming out, remember, they gave Canelo, what, 325 mil? What's something like that? 365 mil. Three mil a day. They gave him 365. <laughs> now, with that being said, now can Deontay Wilder pop up and say, look, the people have spoken. I deserve at least this much. Does he have that much bargaining power now? Well, um, it depends who you're asking. Okay. And I just looked at Deontay Wilder's Instagram. Nothing that mentions this list or his ranking there is anywhere to be found. So maybe to him, it's not a big deal. But you know who it will be a big deal to? His advisor. 
Hey. Can, I, can I get some transition love? Hey. Can I get some transition love? Hey, there it is. <laughs> Yo, well, speaking of his advisor, man, um, represents Deontay Wilder, represents Errol Spence, was the, was the man behind Floyd Mayweather. Um, is Al Heyman the most powerful man in boxing? I'm going to put it take up this to first. you. All right. Um, I'm going to be honest with you, man. This dude is like the boogeyman. You don't know anything about him. He he just like you 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 barely see any pictures about him. You Google him, it's the most basic Googleable facts you could ever find. But when you look at the people that are behind that he's behind and that he's done things for, yo, the list is crazy. Every predominant black fighter well boxer in the game he has represented or currently represents and has made some huge deal deals for these people so if i look at him and pretty much everybody who's under the pbc banner he represents he, he there he represents i mean pbc is al Heyman. let's yeah. be clear yeah i mean 100 percent. so Essentially, he has his own promotion. He hasn't been around as long as a Bob Arum or somebody like that. But if you think about who he's representing and what he's doing and how he's pushing the narrative and fighting back with these entities that have kind of been there forever. Especially when you have on one side, you have Eddie Hearn and Golden Boy pretty much teaming up on the other side trying to be the golden state warriors or whatever they're trying to have this power team over here at the zone throwing all kind of crazy money at people but on the other side al Heyman staying at home and all these fighters seem to want to stay with him he's doing something right and he's managing these guys because you know what every time i see him i see a whole lot of jewelry i see all the drip Every time I see all of his fighters, from Danny Jacobs to the Charlo Twins to Mayweather, I mean, he he's really running the game right now. Al Heyman is absolutely the most powerful man in boxing today. He's a very smart man, and like you said, a, almost boogeyman-like, where you can't find Al. He's, I, I don't know if he's had the internet scrubbed or the internet was just never able to get that information about him, but like Serge said, the Google searches don't turn up too much information. There's not a bunch of pictures, but what you do have left around is various fighters who he's worked with who, if they hadn't worked for Al, if it wasn't for Al, they may not be in the positions that they're in today financially. That's true. There's a, a few things that Al is doing. And, you know, he acts like a father to a lot of these guys. But there's really two reasons why he's the most powerful and one of the most dangerous mans in boxing today. Reason number one. He's doing something that no one has done in the boxing world ever, it almost seems like. Well, he's, he's united all the powerful black boxers. 
he's empowering boxers to manage their money. He's teaching boxers how to manage their money, how to take this money for themselves. And he manages anybody, even people like Manny Pacquiao are with Al Heyman at this point in their career. Well, guess what? Manny Pacquiao, maybe about a year ago, around the time he fought Joe Horn, we were hearing about some money issues. You remember that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That that fight with Joe, Joe Horn, I believe, was Manny Pacquiao's last fight with top rank. Yep. Manny Pacquiao goes under the Al Heyman, Al Heyman banner. Those money issues are gone. I haven't heard anything about them since. And here's another thing. If you think about it, when is the last time you've heard a boxer leave Bob Arum disgruntled, pissed off, angry? You know, it happens all the time. I mean, Mike Garcia is a prime example. How about with De La Hoya? Have we heard people say they're not happy with him? Absolutely. I have never heard of anybody leaving Al Heyman. Al Heyman is acting like a father figure to these guys. He's really teaching them the game, allowing them to get money that they would never have seen before and setting them up for life. I mean, so you have big. a bunch of you have a bunch of boxers who maybe we won't remember in history as a great like Floyd Mayweather, who's really changed the game in terms of his financial gain. But people like Danny Garcia, Andre Berto, who may not be as remembered in the history books, definitely someone like Andre Berto. He he just won't be as important when we look back in history. He'll always be but a good I'm, fighter, I'm, but I'm, yeah, I'm you're right. I'm under the impression, and Al, uh, Andre Berto is an p- important name there because Andre Berto and Daniel Jacobs were one of the two of the first fighters that Al Heyman really recruited. Mm-hmm. He recruited them when they were really, really young as amateurs, and he's been with them throughout their entire career. So he's always been solid with them, and he's made sure that they made a lot of money. Andre Berto, I am, I'm, I'm pretty sure that he's well off for life. That's oh, why you probably, you probably don't see him too thirsty to fight anymore. He's made good money. He's made solid investments. And he's going to be set forever. Danny Garcia, set forever. These guys that are working with Al Heyman, they are making solid money. And so I, watched, I recently watched the old video of Floyd Mayweather online. And it illustrated, it, it gave a little bit of insight into what Al Heyman is helping these fighters do by cutting out a large, cutting out that promoter and working with Al. Well, let's say a network gave a promoter $3 million to put on an event, right? The promoter is going to take $2 million of those dollars. He's going to give the main event a side, 600000 the B side for the main event, 300000 and then take that extra 100000 and spread it out to the rest of the undercard. That's what it, it, it looked like before people like Al Heyman. Al Heyman challenged the norm. It doesn't have to be like that. The promoters don't have to take a ridiculously large split. He took the mindset of he can make a change in boxing for today and for the future. So he started teaching these, teaching these boxers how to manage their money and how to get away from promoters that are robbing them. And let, let's be very honest here. We've known about boxers getting robbed from their promoters 
musicians getting robbed Forever, by their man. promoters. It's like a story. Forever. It's like all this time. And we didn't we didn't know what was happening. We didn't know how this how this was happening. But Al Heyman said that shouldn't happen here in boxing. He challenged the norm, and a large percentage of his fighters are black. And I think that's dangerous because he's empowering black men to better manage their money, empowering black men not to be rich, but wealthy. And I think that's very important. I think that's a that's his why. That's his passion, in my in in my opinion, because we don't know much about Al. But that's why he's the most powerful man in boxing. That's why HBO used to give Al Al Heyman so much uh, freedom. That's why Showtime used to give him so much freedom. That's why he was able to launch PBC, now everyone wants to copy Al. Yeah. Then you have Golden Boy on ESPN. Then you have Top Rank on ESPN. Why is this shit on ESPN? Because in 2015, Al Heyman decided that he was going to launch PBC because we were sheltering these boxers by only showing them on premier networks. When he bought these boxers back to regular TV, well, he opened himself up to a wide audience. He saw a lot of success and he built a huge stable of fighters and helped them get a lot of money while doing it. Why do you think Adrian Bronner still has money? Everybody says he's going to go broke. Maybe he, he does. He still has money. But he's made a lot of solid paydays, way more than a fighter at his, le- at his level should have made. But because of Al Heyman, he was able to do that. Absolutely. No, I mean, look, man, I think... I think he is somebody who's treating boxers the right way. And I think that's why you see so much loyalty with his clients. They're loyal to him because he's loyal to them, man. And um, I think he's great for boxing. But I think you're right with PBC, um, with his client base. He is dangerous, you know, and he could be viewed as that. And I understand why top rank and golden boy get all pissed off at him. But um, look, man, he's he's treating those guys right, man. It's good to see. But yo, check it out. We're going to take a little break. We're going to go ahead and pay some bills and uh, we'll be right back. What's going on, beautiful people? And remember, man, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 15% off your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente. Support the show um, by checking out checking us out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Subscribe, listen, rate, and share. The Fight Podcast is currently Everywhere podcasts are available, man. So that's Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere else, man. So go ahead and check us out. I uh, hope you guys are going to go ahead and enjoying this episode. And we are jumping right back in on episode 98. Yo. Yo. Welcome back. Welcome back. We're back. Appreciate it. You know, you know, we had to go ahead. I had to. I had to refill my. You know what I'm saying? Pay some bills and refresh my tea. Uh <laughs> But uh, let me turn this off. I got your picture in picture. Cool. All right, man. So moving right along. Um, 
All right, we both had Spence. So check this out. Um, this is a fighter that I feel like we talk about far more than we should anyways. Uh, nah, I like this dude. But um, Javante Davis, super featherweight, is a monster. We all know how devastating he is. And even though it seems like his next fight might be against Tenshin Nakasawa uh, over in uh, Japan, um, there is somebody in his own weight class that believes that he has the blueprint on beating Javante Davis. And that is the champ, Leo Santa Cruz. He thinks he has the blueprint, man. I'm be honest with you, man. I, I, I'm going to give it to you in a second. I like Leo Santa Cruz. I really do. Um, I think he's a solid fighter, man. And uh, I'm going to let you go ahead. Now, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and clean this one up. Because <laughs> I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah. I mean, you're probably right. I, I'm going with Javante Davis here. No, Leo Santa Cruz does not have the game plan to beat Javante Davis. Have you heard the details of that game plan? What did he say? What did he say? <laughs> He's going to put pressure on the power puncher. He's going to they, pressure they him because he doesn't work from feel, time to time. He doesn't feel like Javante Davis can take that pressure. Well, how are you going to take his power? No one else has. So how are you going to stand up against that power? Didn't you lose to Carl Frampton? That's the only loss of your career, but Javante Davis would smoke Carl Frampton, and he will smoke Leo Santa Cruz, too. I think Leo Santa Cruz would have to move up for that fight. I think he fights at 126 and would have to go up to 130 uh, for that fight. His last fight was at 130. His last two okay. were. Yeah, he's actually a champion at that weight class. Okay. Yeah. So, he's a champion at 130? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, yeah, I, I think his game plan is, is bad. And Davis would smoke him. There's not many boxers that can stay responsible on defense while still putting pressure on. Triple G G does it a little bit. Loma definitely does it very well. But there's not many that can stay responsible while putting pressure on on somebody. Yeah, I I don't I don't think Leah Santa Cruz has it in it. He's a a taller fighter and he's used to having that reach advantage that would still exist with Javante Davis. But you're giving away that advantage if you say that you're going to put pressure on him. You're giving away some of that length. You're going to let him get close that distance and hit you. That's not a great game plan. Not for 12 rounds. He'll have you out of there in three if this is what you're looking to do. So this, so this is what I'm going to say. So um, actually, he is currently, Leo Santa Cruz is currently the WBA super fe- super uh, world featherweight title holder, and he's the WBC um, featherweight titleist too. So d- dude, dude is a monster, man. Um, yeah, he's lost to Carl Frampton, um, but he did come back and beat the piss out of him the next time out too. Dude is solid, and I think that I'm be honest with you. That is a fight that I would like to see. How would he win? One thing that he does well is that, yes, he does brawl from time to time. And I think if he goes in there with the mindset to brawl against Davis, that would be a mistake. But something that Leo Santa Cruz does a lot better than most fighters is that he reminds me a lot of Max Holloway in, M- in MMA. In the sense that he can, he can out-technical you. And he can go out there and brawl with you if need be. He's a really intelligent fighter. He is. Now, so is Davis. Davis, the way he's, he's, he sets people up to for the kill. He'll set you up right there. But I love the way Leo Santa Cruz changes so much. He's extremely unorthodox. 
my only concern for him in that fight is I don't know if he has enough power to keep Davis off of him. And I think the idea of pressuring him and then, you know, pressuring him and then it's almost like the the, the bull in the matador. You get into his face, pressure, pressure, pressure. And then he, I think the idea of it is he wants to end up countering him. Get in his face and land shots, hit him with hard shots, and then let the floodgates go. Open up and you catch him coming in. Frustrate him in and out, in and out. I can see him doing that. I've seen him do that. I just don't know if he I've never seen him rock like that. But at the end of the day. So, OK, this is so my answer is this. Do I think he can have the game plan to beat Javante Davis? Yes, he can. It's boxing. Anything can happen. But I don't think it's as probable because I think Javante Davis, it has that power for the next two, three weight classes. I also think Javante Davis, when he's focused, has underrated boxing skills. I to think combat so someone like a Leo Santa Cruz. I think we yeah. saw some of them when he was really lo- locked in for that fight yeah. against uh, Suelar. Is that how, how it's pronounced? Mm-hmm. I think he mm-hmm. was really locked in for that fight, and we saw some of his boxing skills early on before he got him up out of there. Yeah. But Javante Davis, he has legitimate power for that 130-pound division. He Leo Santa Cruz will not pounds. stand a chance. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he has solid, solid power. He had, He's Deontay Wilder for that weight. Yeah, no, I feel you. And here's the thing. I, I'm just, I, I just want to give, I just, thought just it was, I, dude, I, straight up, man. That's all I'm doing. So I'm going to sip my tea and just take this one. But at the end of the day, man, I actually, I like Santa Cruz. I, I think he's solid. And I'm thinking about matchups for Davis because they're few and far between. So, when he said this, I had to stop and think and say, man, is there a possibility? Is there a window? It's easy for me to shut it off and say, nah, that wouldn't happen. But when you actually think about it, Leo Santa Cruz, as long as he can actually have enough power and, and he as long as he's sharp enough to keep it, it's not as, as much about the power as about being sharp. If he can be sharp enough to keep Davis off of him a little bit, I think he has the boxing ability to win that fight. I don't think it's probable, but he can do it. So percentage-wise, if that fight were to ever happen, which I don't see it happening, I don't see it happening. Either. What are the odds that Leo Santa Cruz wins? Oh, the odds. What odds would you give him on, on, percentage-wise? Thirty-five. I'm more around like under twenty. No, I, f- I feel you because I was gonna say I was gonna say twenty five, but I've been championing him the whole time, so I feel like I gotta give him a little bit more than that. <laughs> you, you tried, you tried. <laughs> no, I do. But it's, here's the thing: he's actually somebody in that weight class that could give him trouble. He has the skill set to give him trouble. So that's why I think it, it makes sense, man. But um, we'll see. Again, a fight that probably won't happen, man. But so wait, uh, there's another fight that I want to quickly mention here that okay. that wasn't on the agenda for today, and I sent this to you earlier. The WBO <laughs> orders Sergey Kovalev versus Anthony Yard. Does this fight happen? What do you think? No. No. Um, granted, I'm gonna be honest with you. Is it Yard or Yardy? We'll call him Yard for now. All right. He he I'm hasn't fought sure. enough competition for us to know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> I thought I think it's Yardy, but I, I mean I might be wrong, man. But look, um, I think that fight there's too many unknowns for Sokovalev. 
there, there's too much risk involved. This is somebody who looks the part, knocks people out completely cold, and I think there's risk. And again, I don't think he has enough of a name to this point for Kovalev to even be willing to get in there with him. Too much danger, not enough. You don't have a big enough name. I ain't going to get paid enough for this ass whooping. Forget it. I'm not going in there. And Kovalev is looking at, at opportunities to unify. I don't think he's looking down at someone like Anthony Yard, oh. Yardy. Um, oh. I think it's it's a scary fight for both of them. 100%. You know, but Anthony it's a fight Yard, that Yardy needs. Oh, a- absolutely. But is he ready? You don't want to toss him out there to the wolves and then you really derail his career. I think it's just such a big step up in competition for him where we and we haven't seen him up against that much comp- competition that he could get exposed if he's not who they say he is. Now, from the Kovalev aspect, we know we now know that he does on certain days have a suspect chin. Well, we know what Anthony Yard is bringing at the very minimum. He is packing a punch. Dude, if Kovalev a- 18 gets hit, and no 17 KOs. If Kovalev gets hit, he will get him up out of there. So I can see why it's a very scary fight for both fighters. I haven't heard heard anything from either of them, but Sergey Kovalev has his eyes on a unification with someone like Bivol. Absolutely. And, and I, I that's what I'm saying. I just don't see the fight with Yard happening right now just because I don't I don't think they're willing to take that risk. Look, 18 to no. They're going. They're going to look at it like, dude, you got to get a bigger name under your belt before you come out here. They're going to. That's how they're going to flip it on the business end. They're going to say, nope, you're not a big enough name. I don't know you. Nobody cares. Why would I take that risk? You know what I mean? And again, you, as Kovalev, I understand it. Do you understand the difference? And I, I believe there's a difference when a governing body orders a fight compared to when they mandate a fight. Yeah, both of them mean don't mean shit. <laughs> that's what that means. So, so Kovalev won't get stripped if he doesn't take this fight no because uh golovkin was supposed to fight charlo how many times i think they paid charlo step aside money though you you i think you're gonna have to they have to pay him though i think they are they are gonna have to pay yardy something if he's the mandatory i think they're gonna have to cut him a check okay yeah okay yeah i'm pretty sure that that's how it works but all right man um Yo, talking about some of the best in the world, man. Vasily Lomachenko, man, he he's been in the news. He like like I said earlier, he was out there talking about you know the fights this upcoming weekend um, with uh, Spence and uh, Garcia, but he also threw some shade at the aforementioned Javante Davis and Floyd Mayweather, saying that they're not real fighters. They're businessmen, and that he wants to fight for the best for his legacy in boxing history do you think Lomachenko actually has a point man now Javante Davis is still so unproven and he's having his moves managed by people seemingly so high above him that it's difficult for us to say where things will end up now he needs a he needs a better competition on his resume and people are starting to get antsy so Eddie Hearn says he's going to put a huge offer on the table for him if Tevin Farmer wins his fight this upcoming Friday. That would be incredible. Does he take that fight? I I don't know. But he needs to. He really needs to. Now you start to get into promotional issues. Maybe Eddie Hearn has a plan for that. But that's a fight that we would all love to see because there does seem to be some genuine dislike there. Now, let's go to Floyd. 
don't think Floyd ever denied being a businessman. And I'm sure he'd probably take that as a compliment. So Loma would be absolutely correct. Floyd is a businessman, especially at this point when he's fighting guys like Tension. But even during his career, I mean, that's why Floyd is Floyd. Floyd Money Mayweather. Not one time or something having to do with boxing. His nickname is Money. He he left Pretty Boy behind so he can have a, a nickname that di- is directly correlated to the money he is making. That's a businessman. No one ever questions Floyd's skills, but we know at the end of the day, this man is about his money. So is he a businessman? Shit, probably. Now, who's going to leave the game more, res- more respected? Floyd, Javante Davis, Lomachenko? Loma. He's going to leave the game the most respected by boxing fans. But outside of that, I'm not sure. Because Floyd Mayweather has the type of effect where he's crossed over those boxing lines. Floyd Mayweather is a cultural name. But Loma, to boxing fans, Loma can do no wrong. His pro career is going to be a lot shorter than Javante Davis, someone like Floyd Mayweather, because I believe he turned pro at something like 29. So his shelf life is just a lot shorter. But in what he's done in such a short span and what the future looks like for Lomachenko, by the time he leaves boxing, it, it doesn't matter how many losses he he has. As long as he's still at the top of the game, by the time he retires, people are going to, Lomachenko is going to be up there as one of the greats because he came in, he never took uh, any of those, um, you know, any of those soft fights. From he the beginning, always, he's fought the best. He's always fought the best. And even now, when he didn't take a fight with Tefima Lopez, that's only because he's looking to try to unify the belts and, uh, Richard Comey wasn't available, so this is the guy they fed him. But right now, he's looking to unify the belts, and that's the only reason that he's not fighting a guy like Teofimo Lopez. Because if that wasn't the case, or if Teofimo had a belt, I can guarantee you that uh, Lomachenko takes that fight. So... <laughs> but, I mean, I, I think he leaves the game more respected. I mean, what he does for boxing, taking on the best at all times... I mean, that's something that you, you'll you never be able to say Floyd Floyd did. He fought the best, but you everybody argues about when they fought them. Javante Davis will probably have similar asterisks throughout his career because he's managed by Floyd at, at this point. So I think Lova leaves the game with the most respect. So I think when it's all said and done, we have to wait, right? But Floyd Mayweather didn't become Money Mayweather until he fought Oscar De La Hoya. That's where it all changed for him. But if we go down the time the timeline and we look at everybody Floyd has fought, Chop Chop Corley, Jose Luis Castillo, even though he was older, Gotti, Zab Judah when Zab was the man. Baldemir, when nobody wants to fight Baldemir, Baldemir was cutting from like 180 pounds. Cutting, they're like cutting 40 pounds. Such a big guy. Walking through everybody. Floyd destroyed him. There were so many, dude. Um, one of my favorite, all time favorites, beat the shit out of Diego Corrales. Oh my gosh. That, that, that was probably Floyd's best performance ever. of all time. So I mean, the, that, the, that was a prime Floyd at 135. You can see the killer, yep. that power that people just, they don't realize how big Floyd was fighting. They don't, they don't realize Floyd should have never been fighting at 147. 
Not he was he's 130 he, he's, 30 pounder man floyd's probably smaller than mikey garcia fighting at 147 he didn't floyd never even cut weight he just went to training camp yeah no dude and he, 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 i mean that, and that's the thing I, I i look at floyd man and the the older he got and he got that businessman rub from again the guy we talked about in the beginning it's all it's all all starts with oscar de la hoya man oscar de la hoya is the reason we got a money mayweather and ever since then, Floyd took that that pretty much that profile, took that blueprint and has run with it. And then he also realized that's when he realized, oh, you want me to be the bad guy. OK, cool. I'll be this. And that's when that bigger, larger than life persona really started coming out. So in his early career, I, I will I will say that Mayweather absolutely was looking for legacy. He wanted that. He was hungry. One of the most entertaining fighters of all time. Um, and then it was later in his career where, yeah, okay, we could say he was like, you know, the Miguel Cotto fight, you know, um, draining him all the way down like Manny Pacquiao did. You know, Robert Guerrero, that dude's a bum. You know what I'm saying? He fought Canelo no, didn't he fight at 21. Miguel Cotto at like 152 or something like that? Uh, or he, might have fought, he fought he, him at 54. So you think he drained Cotto to, to get to 154? No, no, that was no. It wasn't 54 here. I'm looking at it right now. He fought him at... Uh, might have been a catch weight. No, but, but I think it, it was that. No, you're right. You're right. It was a yep, 54. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Floyd didn't drain Cotto. Floyd beat Cotto. Yeah, you're right. He beat Cotto. No, that was Cotto's best fight. I was thinking about Manny Pacquiao's fight with him. Ah, uh, yeah. That's what fight I was thinking about. I'm sorry about that. I was thinking about Manny Pacquiao because that's what I looked at. I was like, no, no, Cotto actually looked great that fight. Yeah, Cotto looked look pretty good. He gave definitely gave Mayweather a challenge and just another was, name. Might have been his harder fight. Yeah, hard, one no, of his another fights. name on Mayweather's legacy. Absolutely. You know, Mayweather's reg- resume. Mayweather ha- has the resume. I mean, he's Absolutely. beat world champ. I so think it's up to like twenty three world champs that he's beat. Dude, it, that's it, amazing. It is, man, and that's the thing, and that's why I look at that and I say, yeah, Loma. I think Loma is Loma, is Floyd Mayweather a businessman now? Well, yeah, he's forty years old. He's not. He he doesn't have anything to prove anymore so i think the biggest issue with the whole thing though is that he is dealing with tank davis like him at the end of his career when you're supposed to let tank fight he's supposed to let him go and the only thing he's doing as a business and this is where i do agree with loma is that he's hindering the development of tank davis by not allowing him to fight some of these bigger names i think that's just is what it is I think that's a fair assessment, but who do you think has the most respect at the end of the day between the three of them? And I, I think the answer I, I, is... I mean, I think it's Loma. I, I 100... I mean, dude, you fought for a world title your first fight ever. But I, th- I, I think... I In the second fight. But I think you, you yeah, make... Fight. You make a good point. Look at everybody that Floyd's beat. I mean, Dog. Floyd has the... Dog. People, people so say Floyd fought bums. Floyd did not fight bums. Floyd fought the best in the world. He fought the best of that era. And honestly, in that in his era. Now, I have another question for you. In the that era, so Floyd's era, is Floyd the best fighter of his era? Are him and Roy Jones in the same era? They are in the same era. So I'm going Roy Jones. I am too. I'll be honest with you, man. I was thinking about this not too long ago. Roy Jones Jr. was the best that I have ever seen. 
like lie like in his prime i'm watching him on tv while it's happening i never saw anything like that and as good as floyd mayweather is and was he never wowed me to the extent of it now granted different styles i mean longevity obviously if we're gonna look at greatness you gotta toss it to floyd but in my in my personal opinion the greatest of that era is roy jones jr and roy jones jr like he was bored Yo, y'all must have forgot. He was bored. He, I, I think it was, it was one fight. I mean, he had a fight. He had a charity basketball game the next day. I mean, like, Roy Jones was bored. He, he was bored. He, he was just. I'm just gonna go up in weight classes because there's no one left for me to fight and win a heavyweight title. Dude. Roy Jones was bored. I mean, he, he his he, talent. He beat was Ruiz, bored. who was a legit heavyweight. Yeah. I mean, Roy, Roy Jones was definitely the best of his gener- generation, and I think Max Kellerman pretty recently has said was, was talking about this, or maybe this, it was a couple years ago. But he was saying he was explaining to somebody Roy Jones' greatness, and when Floyd Mayweather retired, he was the undisputed number one pound for pound champ. You have to think Floyd was probably in his prime when Roy Jones was in his. In they were in their prime at the same time. No, they were yeah, prime at the same they, time. Yeah, because they were both ninety six Olympics, or when was Roy Jones Olympics? Mm, it might have been before might, that. Might, I think he was pro, before that. I think he's pro in the early '90s. He fought B Hop in like '92. Yep. He fought B Hop in '93. Okay, so I, maybe there, he's a little. Floyd was, Floyd was coming on at towards the end of Roy Jones' prime, but I mean, there was even when when that was happening, there was never any question until uh, Roy Jones got knocked out by Tarver. But, but until that's then, because there was he never, cut too much weight too fast, going from heavyweight yeah. to yeah. Yeah, and that's what happened there. But I mean, Roy Jones had had put a gap like we hadn't seen on that pound for pound list. Dude, like the gap between Roy Jones and whoever was number two at the time was large. Dude, do you remember him fighting when he beat up uh, Glenn Kelly? Hands behind the back, miss, miss, whack. Yeah, dude, nasty man. Who, who was the dude that uh that beat him by DQ? Like the he hit him while he was down. Oh, um, that was early in his career. He uh, oh, smoked him in that second fight. Uh, Montel Griffin. <laughs> he smoked him. Montel Griffin was a sacrificial lamb. He Dog. got smoked. And that was when, that was around the time that Roy Jones was just bored. Yeah. And I think he, that's the only thing that really could get him up for a fight was him, him losing in the fashion that he did. And what happened was, yeah, and if you've ever heard. Knock that fool out. If you've nasty. ever heard. Roy Jones on the mic commentating whenever a fighter goes down and there's a punch thrown he mentions it because Montel Griffin went to a knee Roy Jones just I don't think he had any ill intent but just being in the boxing mindset was still throwing punches and hit him while he had taken a knee they disqualified Roy Jones and I believe he I don't think he, I don't know if he lost his belt he but did. okay so he so he lost his belt yeah and people were saying that Roy Jones did that because uh you know he was looking for a way out you know people made their little storylines Roy Jones knocked that man out in the first round in the next fight. Yep. Walked out he, there, knocked him out so cold. He was so insulted by the fact that people even had the thought that someone was better than him. Uh, That's the level of greatness that he was uh, that he was at. Is, is he a platinum selling rapper? Everybody was platinum in 2000. Yeah, man. Dude was solid, man. Yo, he, he and he's another one. He beat in that people say he didn't beat good people, but he beat he beat Vinny Paz. He I mean Bernard Hopkins. I mean you go down the list, man, he beat some solid people, man. James Tony. James Tony. Dude. 
Dude's I, nice, man. John I, Ruiz. I, at the end of the day, I do think Floyd Mayweather, someone like Floyd Mayweather has a better resume, but with the way Roy Jones was doing it, I, it's just no comparison. Yeah. But I do think Floyd still has a, be- a better resume with the, the level of world champs that he beat. And that's just because since the 80s, the cream of the crop, has, or, or even before that, if you go back to Ray, Ray Robinson, but I mean, for a very long time in boxing, the welterweight division outside of the heavyweight division has really been the it division. You had welterweights in, in the 90s. You still had um, Floyd Mayweather. You had Oscar, Oscar De La Hoya. You had Vargas. You had Tito. Where, where was Tito Trinidad fighting at? 154? Okay. So you had all of those guys down there at welterweight. You go before that, you had um, hit the, Tommy the Hitman Hearns, Marvin Hagler. You had Sugar, Sugar, Sugar Ray. Ray, Le- Ray Leonard. Then you come to the Durand. 2000s. You got Duran. You got Floyd. You got Pacquiao. You got Spence. You got Crawford now. The welterweight division has been stacked. It's been it's been it's been rocking since the eighties, like seventies and eighties. It's been rocking. So Floyd Mayweather has just had an opportunity, had more of an opportunity to uh, load up his resume when Roy Jones didn't always have that, which is why he was just gaining weight looking for challenges. Straight up, straight up, man. All right, well I think we were good on that one, man. Um, keeping with the Mayweather camp. All right. Roley, Floyd Mayweather, one of his guys, went out there and got a first-round KO this past weekend. Are we ever going to see that fight with him and Ryan Garcia? We won't see it this go-round. I think the fight happens at this point, and we probably shouldn't spend too much time here. We might get nah, a letter from Golden Boy in the mail. Oh, no kidding. Uh, yeah. a, a cease and desist. <laughs> Straight up. But, uh, yeah, it, it's not going to happen right now. We both know that. Oscar De La Hoya is protecting Ryan Garcia with all of his might until he can't anymore. And we have to see Ryan Garcia against some real competition because the guys are right. When Ryan Garcia was put on by Oscar De La Hoya, I mean, he was he was touted to be or he, you know, he was anointed to be the next quote unquote golden boy. You know, he was supposed they're pretty much tapping him to be the next Canelo that face of boxing. And when they first started promoting Ryan Garcia, you're like, maybe. He has some quick hands. Hey, real fast hands. But quick hands. Almost in the blink of an eye, his weight class got real crowded. (sighs) You you have some established talent. You have young talent at his level. Now you're like, okay, well, Ryan Garcia, you're, you're a superstar. But where do we really see you fitting in with some of these dogs out here? Yep. And we're no longer sure... If he's going to have that Canelo feel. Canelo, he, he's dominating. He's at the top level. Yo, uh, man. Garcia, will he be able to get to that level or even Yo, close Canelo's to the level with everybody good, around him? man. Have you ever, like, just watched Canelo, man, when you, like, watch his... Uh, Yo, that mother... He's good. He's good. He's good. He's- good man aside from the fights like against triple g when you really look at at canelo and how he's improved even from the mayweather fight and how he's really started to incorporate better defense and head movement into his game along with the power that he possesses the ability to move up and wait and chase some of those fights i mean canelo is a good boxer and he's good good for boxing he fought triple g took a layoff fight and will fight danny jacobs within within a year yo he fights everybody in his prime he fights look even though I thought he lost Lada, he fought, he fought Lada. He's fought some of the best in, in his time. And 
he's the best, so you always is a target on your back. It's always yep. a story about the judges. That's not his fault. Maybe that's De La Hoya's fault, someone's fault, but it's not his fault. He's still going in there and fighting his ass off. Yeah. And no. he deserves credit for that. He does, man. He does. I still think he's gonna lose his next fight, but damn that mug's good, man. I yeah. I think he he's he's one of the best out there, man. Um look. Uh, and, and, and and before we move, before we move on, the best way to demonstrate that. One of Canelo's Canelo's best boxing moment. I'll, I'll go on a limb and say this: his best moment in boxing. Have any idea where I'm going? No, nah, I want to know. Is coming out that second fight with Triple G fighting Mexican style. One hundred percent. That was trill. That, that that was so fucking that, real. And you know what? Triple G had to eat all that shit he talked. All that shit he talked about Canelo not Canelo went put his head in that dude's chest and worked his body and was throwing shots and you know what man that was a real moment yo you know I don't care what anybody says I totally felt Canelo earned that victory and he earned that victory because Triple G you go out there you talk all this shit about like you said Mexican boxing you you're not gonna come and fight me well that monk said all right come on I'm gonna fight you. Everybody heard it. That was the biggest fight in the world at the time. Everybody knew what he was talking about. Everybody said he's not willing to fight. So he went out there. He fought in the middle of the ring. And Triple G was the one that got caught out there boxing. Like, get up out of here. Typically, you get these fights and... Neither of these guys speak uh, speak English, so we didn't understand a lot of what was going on. But typically, you'll have oh, these build up, the th- these build ups and fights, and guys like Errol Spence and Mikey Garcia are going back and forth. We didn't expect that from Canelo. We didn't know what he was going to come out and look like, and straight up just stood there in the middle of the ring, walked him down all night. That was probably Canelo's shining moment um, oh. of his career because he showed how much of a fighter he really is. Yes. Oh, you tell me I can't do this, I will beat you at it. Yeah. I am better than you at your game. And here's the thing, yo, that was coming right off of, remember when he, he, he got, remember them, those tacos? Oh, yeah. The tainted tacos, man? Yeah, man. So that's right off the tainted tacos. He's losing fans. Like, and he got knee was, surgery? Yo, he was losing fans by the minute. And he went out there and man performed literally again hard on the sleeve went out there and went for it and you know what he won all those fans back like ever since then i've been rocking with dude yeah no you can't knock canelo it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of fighters that are good for boxing right now because you can't yeah. knock triple g either and we gave him his praise this episode we did hey you know hey but you can't knock Danny jacobs nah you can't i mean to do that way you talking about a, a hot weight class right now God, middleweight is nasty right now. Yeah, solid. Dude. And I mean, a lot of those guys can go up to, to 168. And with Easily. guys like Bivol talking about Easily. coming down, we can make a lot of those matchups at, at maybe a catch weight. I want to see Jamal Charlo in there. I, I want to see Jamal Charlo with the zone because I need to see him within the mix with all those guys. I need to see Charlo in the mix. I want to see him fight Danny Jacobs. I want to see him fight Canelo. He's he's at the level of those guys. I need to see him fight those guys. I want to say, and I think I may have sent you this. The in terms of not Jamal but Jamel Charlo. Yeah, I think they 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 made They're that rematch with Tony yep. Harrison, June twenty third. As well, they should. As well, they should. Man, another one of the shittiest decisions I saw last year. I yeah, couldn't def- believe it, man. You cannot shocked. take somebody, dude. 
oh, judging drives me so crazy, man. They they think you got some dude who goes out here and takes a weekend test, never never put gloves on in his life, doesn't even respect the sport to the fact that he's not even watching the sport. He goes out here and tries to do this shit, and then they're whatever the decision may be, and you're taking food out of these people's mouths, man. It's so trash. I hate I, that. I, I, was, I thought it was a bad decision. But I know it's something that I missed because there's a lot of people that I respect in the boxing world from Keith Thurman to Teddy Atlas. I think even maybe Terrence Crawford. And a lot of them were were justifying Tony Harrison's win. A lot of them came out in in defense of him and they said, no, he won that fight. I you look at the numbers. I I clearly saw it for Charlo. So I'm with you. I'm with you on this. But with the people, just this, their the stature of them and the rank they hold within the sport, you have to you have to think like, okay, there has to be something that I missed. Look, I I feel you. But in terms like I I mean I've watched that fight a number of times. I can't get over the more I look at it, this dude got outstruck. If we looking at power shots, he had more power shots landed upon his head. Like you look at this stuff over and over and over again. I'm like, I how is that possible? Because Jamel Charlo didn't want to go to the body. He wants uh, to he wants to be pretty and get and get that knockout. He goes to the body, he wins that fight. Well, I gar- I bet you he does it this fight. I don't think he goes, but I don't think he goes to the body this fight either. I think he probably wins this fight, but I don't think he goes to the body. I think he goes with his his normal game plan. I'm interesting to see what he switches up. He probably will get a little bit. They'll probably go over cutting off the ring in training camp because Tony Harrison worked. You know, he was he was working the ring. That's something that I think they really hone in on within training camp. But I don't think we see him go to the body for some reason. That's just not part of his arsenal. I don't get it. I I, I respect Derek James too much as a trainer. And I believe if he is there with that team, he has to have people around him that are smart enough that actually want, you know, that tell him like, look, dude, you if you want to win, he look, he left a gym. He left Ronnie Shields, who was an incredible trainer, Hall of Fame caliber trainer. He left Ronnie Shields to go to Derrick James. In, in his game elevated. So obviously he's smart enough to be able to switch things up in his game. I thoroughly believe that he's a smart enough fighter, and I thoroughly believe that Derrick James is a great, good enough coach. They have to make that. That is a little change that I would love to see them make, man. So we'll see. We'll end up seeing what happens. But, um, yo, uh, last thing uh, I know we want to bring up today, and we might have a couple extra things at the end. We'll see in a second. But last major question I want to, we want to talk, uh, talk about. Um, there's been a lot going on, and honestly... Um, Especially in the news right now, MMA, you we have uh, Tony Ferguson, who his wife just put our restraining order on him. Um, seems like he is going through something. Um, like they said, he thinks like there's like cameras following him. So it's it's a whole messed up situation, man. And I really do hope all parties involved get better. Um, but I think it definitely was one of those things that brings up, especially for combat sports athletes, uh, mental health. And again. Um, I'm going to let you take this one. This is something you want to talk about. So um, tell me a little bit about when you first heard that story and a couple of things that's really brought this to your attention. So I'm, I'm in the car on the way home today and listening to 
whatever XM93 fight radio. And a few guys were on there just speaking about what ha- what happened. I didn't know who it was at first. And as they continued along the conversation, more details started to come out. I Googled what was going on. And it just spurred a conversation about combat sports and me- mental health. And They've been fortunate enough to dodge the shitstorm that the NFL stepped into with all of the CTE madness. But is something is a wave like that coming for combat sports? I personally think not, because this is the fight game. This is what these fighters are signing up for. It's a bit different in football where you're hitting, but strikes to the head aren't the main aspect of the game. You know, we can still enjoy football with the, you know, without some of these violent strikes to the head. You can still lay a big hit without it being directly to the head. You can't really have that. In boxing, we need Deontay Wilder. We need people like that to enjoy the sport. And the same thing goes for MMA. Now, boxing is going to be a little bit worse because of the constant blows you're taking to the head, whether it's soft or Deontay. Um, but M- M- MMA is a, li- a little bit different because the strikes that you're taking to the head are so massive because you have such small gloves on. I, I think that I think and I hope that combat sports avoids that whole C- CTE wave uh, because though it's an issue that we need to pay attention to, combat sports is just a different nature and this is what these guys are signing up for so I mean we have to let them fight so I think so if you you, you look at it you're right this is the combat sports we understand it you can't change the rules I can't what are we going to do notion that we're going to just do all body shots you know like that's not that's never going to happen in our sports they're going to wear headgear in the pros yo dude they just took they just they just took headgear away from uh, from the in the out of the olympics so if there's no headgear in the olympics you know they ain't going to put them on the pros you know what i'm saying so it's like it's a it's, it's a violent game and um i'm be honest with you i do believe that we're going to start hearing more stories in the next 10 years, 10, 10 years or so. The difference is, man, MMA is so new. And think about all the old guys who who are still trying to be active and doing stuff. Not all of them are messed up, man. We look at like Chuck Liddell, right? Somebody who didn't want to go away. You look at, um, but again, there's also the Randy Couture's, but he didn't fight the same way. And I'm talking about people who've been like knocked out, you know what I'm saying? And beat up and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I, I think you will see people and Tony uh, Ferguson is somebody who does take a lot of damage in his fights. And not only that, dude is a break dancer from back in the day. We all know how much head trauma they actually take. Or if you don't, fam, break dancers get fucked up. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah, I didn't know that. Yo, yo, well think about all like all that like they fall. You know like what I'm saying? Spinning on their head. It, all, yeah, all that other nonsense. So he's taking head trauma left and right, man. I don't know what's going on with this. Um uh, but I've I've talked to many people and I talk about this a lot in my interviews. Um, I always talk about do people use mental coaches um do they believe in therapy and the reason i ask is yo last year was the first that i actually started doing therapy myself i was like how am i going to get myself beyond a point and this is even before like you're like charlamagne and everybody talking about it um it was something that i was like i think this is something that i want to try because i feel as if i'm not able to get to that next level and i'm getting in my own way right 
So I always ask fighters, do they do th- things like that to help them with their preparation? Or do they do things like that to help them after a fight? Because a lot of times, even after a fight, if you lose, even if you win, there's a lot of depression involved in that. And that a lot of times is from head trauma. That stuff happens. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you get concussed. So guys are like depressed and they got to go through stuff, man. So it is something that I think as long as people are real with it and they're able to discuss and they get the help they need, I think it'll be a little bit quiet. But I totally think that we're going to start hearing about more situations like this um with combat sports athletes as a whole and i'm even including like football and shit like that i'm just including that in there because i think we didn't hear a lot of that shit in the past because mugs we just didn't know now that the information is out there and we're starting to see this stuff and we could put two and two together i think we're gonna start seeing all of us man everybody from kid you know play back like dude it's gonna be it's gonna be rough man just because we have the information now there's uh, you have to separate combat sports from something like football and for combat sports i do think they avoid this cte storm but i think they have to be a bit more open about the resources that they're providing to these fighters in terms of mental health like if, if you're gonna we speak so much about things like vada testing but is there any type of mandatory therapy is there someone that someone is mandated to speak to before and after fights to check on their well-being to make sure that they are mentally able to fight mm-hmm. I, I think if they're more open about these types of programs that they're offering and really pushing fighters to enroll in that's going to be one of the ways that they're able to avoid those avoid those storms especially for someone like uh for someone like dana white and the ufc who is so open about the sport boxing works a little bit differently so many promoters promotional companies bodies the ufc (laughs) uh, mma and with the ufc being the flagship brand for mma they have a bit more of an opportunity to implement some of that stuff right now especially with everything about tony ferguson coming out and i hope he gets the help that he deserves they'll do something and they'll start i mean because that is how that the ufc is and honestly you're right in the sense honestly the way the ufc goes the or the the rest of mma goes a lot of times you know so i think with something like this especially being somebody who is such a high profile person um i think they will start implementing something or they'll at least start talking about it or saying they have some type of precautions or something like that just because that's how those big brands and organizations organizations end up doing um but yeah, we'll we'll see, man. I, I look at it; it's it's something that I'm not gonna lie. It concerns me. Like I don't think anything, I'm gonna get weird and shaky and ch- choking people out. But because I I know I've taken you know, I've I've had hard sparring sessions, you know, with high level kickboxers. I've been kicked in the face before. Like, yo, like it's real. You know what I mean? So when that's the, like, so it, it worries you because I mean. Look, I never had took a concussion test, but man, I was dizzy. Like, so I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I've been hit hard, you know? And then when you've been like that, you never know. They say some kids who play like high school football or like Pop Warner football have like CTE and shit. You know what I mean? So we don't know. There's a story about Ray Beltran and just wait, Ray Beltran, 135 pounder. I think he moved up to 140, yeah, cut did. his teeth yeah. as a sparring partner for Manny Pacquiao. And mm-hmm. 
you know, boxing isn't always this beautiful sport. We talk about the elite level fights. There's a lot of fighters that we just don't know about that are making their living with mid-level, mid-level fights that aren't on TV, making a living as sparring, uh, you know, for as a sparring partner. And as a sparring partner for Manny Pacquiao, maybe you get like a thousand bucks a week or something like that. Ray Beltran walked outside a sparring session and, and just didn't know where his car was. And, and that's when he realized that he had a concussion. And that's how he was making a living. So many years of that, that that affects you down down the line. And is, but is it possible to draw that line in combat sports? And I just don't think it is. I think that the risk involved is something that the fighters understand a bit more when they sign up. And I think with football, the players didn't understand that risk when they were going in. And you hear so many, so many players talking about how they would have done it differently had they had that opportunity. I feel you. I feel you can't you. say that I, with combat sports. I see sports. what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah, because again, you're right. You're right. When with with combat sports, you you know, you might get fucked up. That that's part of the game. I you you've heard me say it here. I always say everybody gets got, no matter I mean, who you are. We've never seen anybody at, at the professional level die on the football field, to my knowledge. No. I mean, we haven't, and nobody in MMA either, for that matter. We've seen people die in boxing. We have. Multiple times. Multiple times. It's not, yeah, no bueno. No bueno, man. Um, the, the, the dark side of the sport, but it does exist. And, yeah, man. Um, yeah, and man unfortunately, man. Tony Ferguson was someone who had to shed a light on it, but it's something we should talk about a little bit more. 100%. No, and it, it, it is a conversation that, that I absolutely, and again, when you listen to the Fight Podcast, make sure you check out the interviews that we have. Last interview, we actually just interviewed Justin Big Pretty Willis. Dope, uh, dope, dope interview. Yeah, he was man. actually on the, that same radio station yesterday. Yeah, yeah, but here's the thing. He and I spoke of, we. I mean, again, you heard the interview. We touch on those type of things. Those are the type of things that I always try to touch on with athletes because those things are not talked enough about, man. So, um yeah, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it, hopefully it'll be all good. You know, I hope he gets better with him and his family and all of this stuff. Oof, man. All right, this fight this weekend, right? God, we got to change. Man, make yeah, me feel man. better. That was depressing. Uh, Shit. Yeah, the, the, the fight this weekend. I, I'm, I'm ex- I, I haven't been this excited for uh, for a very long time. And this fight is like my, my mini vacation. Dude, it, like, it, I, I'm... I'm, I'm pumped yeah we man. almost uh we almost got mo- our seats moved up a, a little bit more uh at some point this week but it looks like that fell through but i'm just i'm just i'm hyped Dude, i'm hyped up, man you got Jerry take pictures. you gotta enjoy yourself out there man oh yeah i'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to meet some of these boxers because they be out there and they're real personable when you meet them oh 100 man yo combat sports athletes are some of the nicest people you'll ever meet because when you get punched in the face for a living you end up being a little bit more humble <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. And they, they are good guys. And, you know, all, all of that they do to promote a fight. That's a, a lot of the time. That's not their personality 24 seven. So, right. you know, hopefully, hopefully I get, get to meet some of these guys. I know people like Deontay Wilder will be there. Yeah. Should, Definitely want to meet. Great one, man. It should be a yeah, lot of fun. My, my weekend will be made if I can meet Deontay Wilder. That'll that's be solid. Up. Oh, dude, that'd be dope, man. No, that's what I'm putting out there time. in the universe. Put it out there, man. Nah, it, it should be a great time, man. Yo, you have fun out there, bro. Um, Appreciate it. What's it called? Uh, also, this weekend, there's a huge uh, UFC fight card in London. Ah, it's not a huge card. It's on ESPN. It's still a really good one. Um, B, you, I think you'll enjoy this one if you get a chance to check it out. Uh, it is Darren the Gorilla Till versus Jorge Masvidal. Uh, Jorge Masvidal is known... 
because he came up with uh, Kimbo Slice back in the day. So, um, dude is, but the thing about him is he, he has always ended up training with one of the best teams in the world, American top team. And he is a dog. Um, one of the best technical fighters you'll ever see great on the ground. Great with his stand up. Um, I know you've heard of Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, he knocked that cowboy out some nasty, uh, not too long ago with a kick. Uh, no, nah, punt knocked his ass out with the hands, gave him all the pause. So, um, get an opportunity, check check him out. Darren Till, one of the best strikers. Uh, dude should be fighting at uh, at middleweight, but he's fighting at welterweight. Dude is huge. Uh, walks around at like two ten, um, and he's this big uh, kickboxer man. This is like a fighter's fight uh, this weekend. It is one of those fights that like f- not like if you are a diehard fight fan, these are two guys that only go forward but the difference about it is they go forward and they're both extremely technical super technical so this is going to be like a high level chess match it's going to be incredible i'll try and watch the rerun on, on sunday and you know if nothing else i'll definitely see the highlights and have an opinion on it next week yeah man it should be great man those are, i mean so honestly man this weekend uh, once again man it's another real fire uh fight weekend man uh b man it's been a good one today bro yeah, it's been, been a, I've had a good conversation. I feel good. Yeah, feel man. We're we, we, we dropping a good one. It's going to go platinum. There it is, man. There it is, bro. Well, yo, um, B, anything you want to say before we get up out of here? Yeah, the only last thing I will say, and I don't want to end on, on a bad note or anything, but, you know, a close friend of mine, my line brother, Alex, lost his father yesterday. So RIP, Mr. Anglade. Um, and, you know, rest well. And uh, my condolences, I'm praying, and my condolences go out to him and the, their entire family. Oh, man, condolences, man. That's, that's what's, yeah. All right. Salute to that it's family tough. and everybody. That's, man. Tough one. That's a tough one, man. Well, yo, um, you know, uh, with, with everybody else, bro. As always, I appreciate you, man. Uh, dude, I think this is episode 95 or something like that. It's yeah, going to be. You got plans for 100? Oh, man. I don't know, man. We're going to figure it out, man. I'll definitely let you know, man. I I, I, I have a you couple. I got like Conor McGregor or something. <laughs> Jeez, man. Conor ass is locked up. Man, yo. Oh, man. How did I not talk about him? Hold on, man. Wait a minute. No, I'm, I'm here well, for it. What is. What, we only got a couple minutes left, man. So I'm, I'm, we're going to try to make it quick. But, fam. I, okay, I feel a certain way about this already. How do you feel? What did you think about Conor McGregor? Uh, for those of us who do not know, um, I don't know how if, if you're living under a rock. I have no no clue. But Conor McGregor got arrested. Um, he was at Live Nightclub over in uh, in uh, Miami. He was leaving out over there. Somebody tried to do tried to take a picture. Conor came over, grabbed his phone out of his hand, stomped his phone. After he stomped his phone <laughs> and slapped it out of his hand, he picked it up. And took it home with him. He left. So the police ended up arresting him. Uh, came to his house next morning. Ended up getting him. So get this. And this is what dri- drives me crazy. The only reason Conor McGregor was in the U.S. Was to go to Brooklyn. Was to do his community service. To get the last charge from last year done. So he goes out there. He does does his community service for that. The very next day, he hops on his dumbass flight, goes to Miami, and gets fucking arrested again. What did his flight do to you? Fam. <laughs> like, how dumb can you be? Like, yo, go to, how hard is it to go to sleep? 
Yeah, you know Conor McGregor. He's he drinking a lot of that, a, a, drug, a lot of that Irish whiskey, man. A lot do. of that Irish whiskey. I mean, you know that li- liquid courage. And that is why. Out, and, that, of, and that's my other club, thing. That's my other thing. Yeah, I mean, he kind of is better. It go. It, it goes with who he is. Like it, it, at this point, it's part of his part of his aura. Fam. Like he brings that with him. You know, a few uh, a petty charge every, every couple years. I'm not surprised. Oh, man. Okay, so that works okay, in my opinion, when you're winning. He doesn't have a win since 2016. In any sport. Exactly. So, what are we doing? He he. Now he's getting to the point that you're starting to lose fans. The casuals are like, oh, this guy's kind of a schmuck. Especially, look, if you're winning, oh, we love the schmuck. Oh, it's great. But when you're taking these ass whoopings and you're losing, here's the thing. Your last fight wasn't even close. Are we going to keep buying what you're selling? Oh, oh, there's one more thing. John Jones is back. So we already got a bad boy. That plays a part because now you have your other flagship athlete or cornerstone of, of, of your organization. He's back. And he's he's active. So now, slowly but surely, as you continue to fuck up here and there, rather small or large, by the time you come to fight and you're putting on all of these antics, maybe the maybe the people don't buy into it anymore. I got another maybe. one for you. I, I think they do, though. I, I think they do. He's I, still a major draw, and people want to see Con- Conor McGregor get back. He, they they want to see him get back on the winning side. So if he comes back on the winning side, right? Not, not, not comes. He comes back and fights again. Not on the winning side, and he takes another loss. Comes back, loses again. Thank you, Floyd. That, thank straight, you, Floyd, because I'm set for life. Yo, yeah, that, that, yeah, exactly. Because honestly, his career might be done, man. He, he needs to. He needs a winnable fight. His next fight to keep that uh, that allure going, um, yeah. and and that's that, the only way people are going to continue dealing with this bullshit. That Floyd check changed his life for the worse. Like, I mean, I, yeah. I think it, it killed a lot of his drive. And, and shout out to him. I'm always about getting your money. No, Yo, get your which, money, which Playboy. He, I understand. Which, but. which he did. But as far as Conor McGregor, the fighter, I think some of the hunger that was there prior to the Floyd fight just just wasn't there anymore. He's That's paid it. forever. 100 mil is a lot. And so. A buck 25. Yeah. So, I mean, Conor, Conor set. I mean, he. he it is what it is with him. I I don't expect him to be some upstanding citizen. Look, a petty a, a petty destruct you know a destru- destruction of property charge in Miami after a night at Club Live. I don't like with, that. With, shit. Without the piece about it, him going coming to the U.S. to go to Brooklyn for a community service is not that bad. But when you add that in there, it gets a lot worse. That's what I'm saying. And again, you look at it, and the thing that pisses me off about it. And I know all the Connor stands are out there. Oh, Serge, you always hating on Connor. Uh, look, man, I don't. I love MMA. I love MMA. He is a bad representation of the sport. He is somebody that you look at and you're like, oh man, like ew. Those type of people do that sport. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want people like Danny Jacobs out there. And there's so many people. I want people like Daniel Cormier, Tyron Woodley, Kamara Usman, all these dudes, Israel Adesanya, TJ Dillashaw. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
There's so many amazing champions. Demetrius Johnson, so many amazing champions that aren't getting the props that they deserve. And we've thrown all this money to a schmuck who's not, who's not even as good as everybody who I just named. But the eyes that he's bringing to the sport, I mean, people I get like, that. People I like get Bellator. That, what and, he's and, doing, though, dude, what he's doing, he's being destructive and he's being a terrible representation of the sport. He's I don't think getting, that falls back on the sport. That falls back on Conor McGregor. I, I, I guess, man. I, but again, then we glorify that shit. All his antics and stuff end up being on the next thing they do to go sell this damn fight. Again, I just, I, it man, it rubs me the wrong way. I don't know. Like, I like the trash talk. I was down when Conor was out there just running, his, you know, talking trash originally. But after he got paid, like, now you're, like, getting, going in on people, talking about, like, people's religion and shit. Like, throwing dollies at buses. Like, fam, what are you doing? Jumping in the cage when it ain't your fight? Pushing the referee? Like, really? Fighters are always going to fight. I, I admittedly I watched a video of Larry Holmes jump off of a car over a cop to kick one of his opponents in the face after uh, some of the chatter before the fight had gotten a little bit personal. So fighters will fight. There will always be antics. I, I wonder how you would have felt with Muhammad Ali back in the day and some cool. of the things when. No, some of the things, no, no. Some of the things they thing. said. He, he don't, get, don't, at, even, at don't even, don't even, don't even equate that shit, man. Because here's saying, the thing: talk about a lot. I, I like a lot of people who are wild as shit. I do. But when it gets to a point in time and you continue getting popped, you continue getting locked up, dude. I stopped messing with John Jones because it, I was like, you know, you're being a schmuck. Not just talking trash. I love a good shit talker, and that's why that's why I originally loved Conor McGregor. I was like, yo, this dude's out here talking trash and he's knocking fools dead. I love it. But once you start doing stuff and, and again, then he's injuring other athletes that have nothing to do with this shit through die through the window. Three fighters end up getting pulled from that card. So now you're fucking with their money. And then their opportunity you're taking from athletes and that stuff. I don't appreciate what Ali was doing. He wasn't taking opportunities from other athletes. He wasn't out there injuring people that have nothing to do with it. He wasn't out there getting drunk, running somebody over, hitting a pregnant chick in a car, getting out of his car, forgetting his weed, running back, getting his weed and money, turning back around and taking off. No, he wasn't doing that. He was be he was talking about something political, which again, if you actually listen to the show and anybody know anything about me, knows how political and how much I actually give a shit about like civil rights and civil disobedience and things like that. So for me, Ali, everything he talks about, what he stands for, is what I stand for. So it doesn't make any sense. Don't make that that for that uh, correlation at all. I'm not talking about Ali from from his political stances, which I fully that, align. That's with. that's where, but that's what Ali's. He was wild and shit with with athletes and stuff, but he wasn't being destructive towards anybody. He was just being fun. I'm down with people being fun. That's why I love the Diaz brothers. They're just fun. Uh, he, he had he had a small monkey for Joe Frazier. Dog, hey man, and I and I again, I I would laugh just like I laughed the first time I saw that clip. Uh, I, I mean, like some some of the stuff, especially with with uh, where racial tension was at the time, I think that was a, a bit on edge. But I, I get what you're saying. I, I agree to a certain extent. But I mean, I'm not as moved by this Conor McGregor arrest. I mean, it's just I mean, it's who Conor McGregor is. Like I said, a petty charge every I, few I years like is not surprising. I think I'm just more invested in it. Also, 
and I've been dealing like as long as I, because I've been following Connor for such a long time, and it's like somebody who like you're happy, you're seeing, you're there with the with the rise, and then when he gets there, he doesn't like do what you would love him to do with it. You know what I'm saying? It's like he gets there and turns into some bizarro motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? So that, I think that's the only thing for me. I, I, I'm shitty because I was a fan. 125 mil. Uh, exactly, man. But yo, we got to get out of here. Fam, it's always a pleasure. And Always uh, a pleasure, my guy. We'll be right back here next week. Yes, and soon, uh, 95. I don't know if I'll be on for 100, but I'll do my best. All right, man. Sounds good, brother. Hey, yo, we'll wrap soon, man. Yes, sir. Be All right, good. bro. Yes, sir. Peace out. Boom. There it is, guys. Um, That was episode 98. This is the Fight Podcast. I am your host, Serge Vicente. I hope you guys are enjoying this, man. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, we'll be back this week. We have so much more fight breakdowns, great uh, fights this weekend um, on all platforms all across the board. Uh, thank you, as always, to Brandon Camille for joining me. He will also be back this week for our Boxing News 9 episode. And um, with that being said, man, yo, this is your host, Serge Vicente. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode once again. And remember, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 15% off your first three months. Follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast. And follow me at Serge Vicente. And yo... You know, we've been slacking a little bit on uh, as much uh, consistency with the with the uh, IG page, man. We finally got that rectified. So go ahead and check us out. That's going to be rocking. And even my own personal page. Look, man, I, I know I, I haven't been uh, posting as much as I need to, but you're going to start seeing more and more. And again, we're working on actually busting out some live episodes, man. So check that out coming up soon. Um, yo, like I said, support the show. Check us out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Thank you guys so much for joining me once again. And I will see you next time right here on the Fight Podcast. Peace out. <laughs>